Hey everybody, it's Brian. Thanks for tuning in. If you're ready to buy or sell a home in Pierce, South King, or Snohomish County, please check out John Hurlbutt and his team over at Altitude Homes. John's an old friend and someone I know you can trust. He will also donate $500 to Ben's Fund for every closed transaction. I know how hard it is to find a real estate agent who has your best interests in mind. John can be that guy for you and benefit a great cause to boot. Check them out on the web at altitude-re.com hb. Again, altitude-re.com hb. Or give them a call at 253-222-2626. That's 253-222-2626. Go Hawks! Everybody, it's Brian Nehauser, and uh, we've got the Real Hawk Talk podcast back tonight. We've got an awesome show here, uh, a lot of stuff going on, and um, as as uh, always, got the the crew with us. Um, Evan Hill, uh, welcome back from Labor Day weekend. How you doing, dude? I'm doing well. It's good to be back. This is going to be a super fun podcast with Heaps. Hopefully, he'll be joining us soon. But been enjoying the good weather. It's been sunny. It's actually kind of hot right now. Well, and you you uh you got a new dog, right? I did a full chocolate lab. She is currently cuddling with my fiance in the other room. She is a sweetheart. Nice, congrats on that. And uh, Jeff Simmons uh, at Real Jeff Simmons on on Twitter. How how's it going, man? Good man. Uh, busy day. I moved today. I had a fantasy draft. Just got made it on time. It was a long day, man. Congrats for uh, on your move, and thank you for making time for us. We appreciate it. Um, and uh, just joining us, uh, our, our special guest tonight, uh, Jake Heaps. Jake, welcome to the show, man. Hey, thanks for having me. Appreciate it. Yeah, yeah. Um, let me give you a little bit more of an introduction for, for folks uh, that, that uh, and I'm, I'm probably going to butcher some of this, but <laughs> my memory of Jake Heaps is this, like... Um, uh, first burst on the stage for me uh, at Skyline High uh, and throwing a lot of touchdowns to Cason Williams. <laughs> and uh, then as a Husky fan, broke my heart by not choosing not to go to UW. Yep. Uh, and th- uh, roundabout few ways, you ended up on the Seahawks, um, you know, uh, trying out for them and eventually make, playing a, a part of the practice squad. And got a really, you know, inside view of what was going on with, you know, Daryl Bevel and Russell Wilson in that quarterback room. And uh, now you're running Russell Wilson's quarterback academy as well. Um, So any key things I missed uh, along the way that people should know about Jake Heaps? Yeah, no, it was a a great journey. Um, You know, it was a wild ride for me uh, over the course of my career, but over the course of time, been able to experience so many different systems, be around great coaches um, on uh, on every level in terms of the quarterback position. So it felt like it's been a big blessing uh, for me, uh, especially at this point in, in stage and time in my in my career. Um, and, uh, you know, it's fun uh, getting a chance to be, you know, play for the team I've always dreamed for in, in the Seahawks. And 
you know, be with them over a, a few off seasons and getting a chance to develop a really close relationship with, uh, with Russell and, and, you know, quite a few guys on the team actually. And, um, and, you know, it's, it's been fun. So now running a, a Russell Wilson quarterback Academy uh, and that's actually was a business that I was running on my own, my own quarterback business. And Russell, you know, kind of found out what I was doing, um, what I was engaging with in the high school kids and college level kids and wanted to get involved and, you know, we ended up partnering and creating this this academy. So it's it's very fun being partners with him in business and, you know, being able to be teammates with him. So, yeah, it's been fun. That's It's fascinating. I mean, I think a lot of people, most people know Russell Wilson for his on-field um, accomplishments and uh, probably know him for, you know, uh, his wife and, and her fame and, and, and that kind of stuff as well. But he's also, um, you know, a, a pretty shrewd businessman. Um, like, what, if you wouldn't mind, share a little bit about what, you, you know, what was surprising to you, what you expected, and, and maybe what was a little different than than. than- yeah. um, you know, I think a lot of guys, they, they typically like to uh, pick a couple things that they do in terms of their, you know, investments and things like that. And Russell is very much hands-on in, in his business approach and, and uh, wants to be involved in a lot of different things. And so... Um, you know, he's a guy that likes to be on the go 24 seven. So, um, you know, he, in the off season, he wants to be go, 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 uh, in season. It's the same way. It's just kind of how he's wired. And, and I think that's what helps makes him a successful person. Yeah. So I'm going to open it up for, for Evan and Jeff to get some questions here in a second, but I'm going to hog the mic a little bit longer. So, um, two questions I've got for you here before I, I give it up for a second is, is one, I mean, all of us uh, who are huge fans of, of sports, um, you know, watch players come up through high school and into the college and, and the NFL. You know, you had a pretty amazing journey. Um, what was what was it like getting to actually um, take the field um, wearing a Seahawks uniform? Um, you know, what of that experience was different than maybe you expected it to be? Yeah, it was incredible. Um, you know, I think the biggest thing for me was it, I, I dreamed of being a, a Seattle Seahawk for my entire life. And so I think that was extra special special for me. Um, you know, I was a rookie in, with the New York Jets, and that was an incredible feeling, um, being a part of the NFL and, and getting a chance to have that experience and, um, you know, having a sense of, you know, you, you have accomplished – the dreams and goals you've set out for yourself. And, and especially at that point in my career, kind of against all odds at that point. Um, and then to be able to be a Seattle Seahawk was uh, it, it, un- truly indescribable. And it was just a blast. And, and the fan base was great um, w- when I had my time there. And they're still great to me, you know, this day. Um, and so I, I think that was a lot of fun uh, for me. And to be able to step out on that field was truly incredible. A lot of emotions. I'm, I'm guessing you had quite a few uh, requests for tickets and uh, a, lot of lo- a lot of locals around. Uh, a lot of people to, to manage and unfortunately say no to, but uh, <laughs> I'm grateful for the support. So um, one, of the, one of the things I'm really curious about, and you started sharing some uh, breakdowns that you've been starting to do um, on what you're seeing from the Seahawks run game, how you're seeing things change. Um, and that was the thing that, that uh, immediately you know, made me want to bring you on the show to hear you got a unique perspective having sat there, you know, seen how the Tom Cable offensive line was blocking, how Daryl Bevel offensive scheme was set. You were in those rooms and now seeing 
you know, with the new, uh, with Mike Solari at, you know, O-line coach and with Brian Schottenheimer at, at OC, I'm curious from your trained eye, what are some of the key differences you're seeing and how that offense is playing out? Yeah, it's it's been fascinating to see kind of the new approach um, with everything. And I think people need to realize that, look, although things finished on a sour note and, and it was not the way people wanted it to continue over the last couple of years, Tom Cable and Daryl Bevel were able to produce a, a heck of a run on offense. And we're right there at the top um, in rushing and in total offense. And so, uh, you know, the way that they did things um, – I, I, there's not a there's not anything wrong with the scheme that they were running. Um, I think just over time, you know, I, I think uh, it comes down to players. Um, it comes down to talent. It comes down to execution. Uh, and so it, it, those two things just didn't match up. And I think what you've seen with uh, Coach Solari and Coach Schottenheimer, they brought in a new system uh, that's very much uh, downhill. It's more multiple. Um, you know, with the Seahawks philosophy in the past, it had been, look, these are the certain run plays that we're going to have. We're going to have, you know, X amount of run plays. And it doesn't matter if the defense knows what we're calling. We're just going to execute it better than them. And I think this staff is a little bit more under the under the guise of um, we're going to be multiple. We're going to run different run schemes. Uh, we're going to add different flares to the run, run uh, to, to present a different look to the defense. Um, and, you know, one of the big things just in terms of scheme uh, the old system was purely zone scheme and they were heavy zone scheme, meaning that there was a heavy flow um, going to the zone scheme. So if there, if you can picture this, you have uh, four down linemen and you have two linebackers in the box. So a four, two box um, and you typically have your, your mic and your will in the box. And, you know, let's say you have a, a nickel Sam covering a receiver. Uh, the center will, will be attacking the Mike linebacker and everything will be flowing and they'll leave the defensive end unblocked. And essentially it's almost like a zone read in a sense, even when under center. Um, and that's when you saw, you know, Russell uh, fake it and tuck and run it. He, the the uh, defensive end was his responsibility. Now in this, it's much more about leverage. Um, it's much more downhill. Um, and so now in a four, two box, they're not necessarily attacking the mic anymore. Now they're working back to the will linebacker. Um, and so there's two different approaches. And I think with that approach, um, I think actually fits this, this group a little bit better. Um, and they're responding well to it up to this point in the preseason, but we'll, we'll see how, uh, how it happens when it comes real, real time in the, in the, uh, regular season this Sunday. Evan, you, uh, yeah, I got a few questions for you, Jake. So a little bit, a little bit about me. Uh, I know you're a Skyline guy. I went to Redmond High School, so you kicked our ass plenty of times. Uh, <laughs> bad memories there. Um, it will be painful to get over. But uh, you've had your—I'm sure you've had your eyes on Alex Magoo throughout preseason. Uh, there's been a lot of talk about him yeah. selected in the seventh round. Um, I know they just obviously brought in Brett Hundley recently. Um, but you're a quarterback. You've been, you've obviously done this on a professional level. You notice things that we as an average fan do not notice. Um, do you think Alex, so I, I don't for the fans that didn't notice this and Magoo was just stashed on practice squad, I think yesterday or two days ago. Yeah. What, you know, watching Magoo in preseason, what do you think are his strengths? Um, his drawbacks, what do you think his future is like on the team? Do you think he's a viable starter or a backup down the road, maybe even a potential starter? What's your read on him? 
Yeah, well, you just opened it up for a big, long conversation there. Um, <laughs> you know, I think I think Alex is a is a unique talent, um, and he really fits the mold. If you've gone back over the last, uh, honestly, over Coach Carroll's tenure, the kind of guys that he brings in, and I guess you know, two two three guys that really don't fit that mold is myself, R.J. Archer, and Austin Davis. But you you see guys that he brings in that are athletic that can run and that they're hoping that they can develop into a passer, into a NFL quarterback that can manage a system. Um, and so with Alex, I think that he's done a really good job up to this point in terms of um, taking the checkdowns. You know, he hasn't been too greedy. Um, he's he's taken the checkdowns when they were given um, and he's made some splash plays. And I think over the course of time, if you've heard interviews from him, that's kind of what he wants to do. That's kind of what his game is. Um, since his time in college, but when it comes to the NFL, it's a completely different ball game. Um, you want to be able to capitalize on the splash plays when they when they uh, present themselves, but you have to be able to march down the field and run an offense and run within the system and the scheme. And I think what Russell does so well is Russell is one of the elite pocket passers, and yes, I said pocket passer. He's one of the elite pocket passers in this league. And what makes him special is his ability to create outside of that. And so what he brings is such a unique trait. He's not a dual threat quarterback. He he is, um, or he's a dual threat quarterback, but he's not a guy that's looking to run and create. He's looking to, you know, play within the system and then evolve off of that. And, and I think that's where some of these guys in the past have really struggled. And I think Austin, or sorry, Alex up to this point, Alex up to this point has, done a great job making splash plays, taking checkdowns, which is which is great to see from a young guy, but hasn't shown that he could run the system at a, at a highly efficient level in order to, as let's say, win their favor of taking that backup role. And that's why you see them going out and getting a Brett Hundley. But I think overall, I think he, them putting them on practice squad, I like the move, and I think he can develop over time. That's great. That's great info. Um, so one other note, you mentioned a little bit about how this offense is going to evolve schematically and philosophically. Is there one offensive player, maybe it's an offensive lineman, that you would expect or hope will take the biggest step in 2018? Gosh, I, I think there's a lot. I think, you know, what we want to see, obviously, I think DJ Fluker and, uh, you know, have him be healthy. I think what he adds to the run game, uh, again, going back to a scheme fit, I think when they when you first look, first initially signed DJ Fluker, it's exciting to have a big body like that. But yeah. you get a first round pick who's been with two different teams in a short amount of time. That's not very promising, right? Um, but I think in the preseason, he's really shown that uh, he's a physical downhill guy in the run game. Um, and I think uh, Coach Solari's done a really good job with him in the pass game as well. Um, you know, I think one guy that I probably would like to see um, really develop you know, I think everybody's said this multiple times, but Jermaine Effetti, you want to see growth out of him. But the real guy that I think will be awesome to see is uh, Ethan Pochick. Mm -hmm. I think uh, if, if, he can, if he can really grow and develop, you've got a very, very exciting left side that could develop into a Walter Jones, Steve Hutchinson, um, you know, type of situation. Robbie Tobeck, you know, those guys would be awesome to kind of see a left side like that again. Jeez, you're getting me giddy. I can't, I can't handle talk like that, Jake. You're too hyped like that. You see that kind of upside? <laughs> uh, yeah, I do. I think Ethan, you know, uh, it was a guy that initially came in. He played all different positions, but he came in as a center. And so I think last year, you know, he played guard. I think he did well. 
think was a guy that needed more strength going in. Um, and he really worked on that this offseason, got bigger. And overall, what I've seen from him, I've, I've liked, and, and I think he has definite upside. Evan, did you have, did you have more or you want to hand it over to Jeff? Yes. Go ahead, Jeff. Uh, hey, hey, Jake. Thanks for coming on. Um, yeah, I'd say the people who don't follow the Seahawks closely, like the perception of this team is that the receiver group is Doug and no one else. Jimmy Graham's gone. Paul Richardson's gone. Tyler Lockett's coming off a couple injury seasons. From my perspective, the wide receiver group has looked surprisingly good in the preseason. What's your impression from as a quarterback of like the pass catching group and how they'll fit in this new offense? Yeah, I, I actually uh, I actually agree with you on that. I think that this is a group that actually has proven in the preseason that this can actually be a, a special group. Um, you know, I think going into this, there were a lot of question marks. And to me, the biggest question mark was Brandon Marshall. Um, you know, Brandon Marshall is a guy that when was initially signed, I was really excited for. Um, one, because I've gotten to have an inside look with him as being teammates with him in, at, at New York Jets um, and see what he can do. Um, but from an overall standpoint, when you look at the numbers, this guy has is a production monster. He's a production monster. He's a guy that is somebody that they've wanted for a long time, a big-bodied guy that can make the difficult catches, um, that can go up and get the football um, for Russell. And he fits all those things. And he's a savvy football player. He knows the game really well. Um, it's just about – it's not a question about production. It's a question about whether he can stay healthy. If he can stay healthy, I think this passing attack can be very dynamic because the thing is, is Doug needs help. He needs help because as of right now, if you have a Brandon Marshall who gets hurt, Doug Baldwin's getting double teamed. He's getting a lot of attention. And then from there, you got Tyler Lockett, which is a great piece. And I think he does a lot of great things. But again, um, you got to have guys that can, you know, make, make you respect them. And I don't think uh, Tyler is a guy that necessarily scares defenses when they game plan. He's got a lot to prove up to this point still. I mean, he's been a very productive player and he's explosive. Um, but in terms of being a clear number two receiver, um, he hasn't been that guy up to this point yet for the Seahawks um, in the passing game. And then you got guys like Jaron Brown who really are eye-popping um, in the preseason, made some big plays, a big body guy again, um, who had 900 yards receiving for Arizona last year. Um, uh, David Moore made some great plays. Um, he'll be another great special teams addition. Um, so, you know, overall looking at this receiver core, I think they've got a chance to be a really good all around group for, for Russell. And you got a nice, you got a nice couple key pieces, um, you know, that, that do a lot of different things. Yeah. David Moore really jumped off the film for me in the preseason. I don't know. I don't know if they'll carry over, but he's a guy I'm going to be watching for sure. Yeah, he did. He did a great job. And I think the thing that was exciting to see was he did a great job with with the contested footballs. Um, and so, you know, again, another guy that um, has shown playmaking ability. Um, and again, over the course of the season, uh, we'll see how that develops. But, you know, I think I think what you have here is, is some guys that can do some really nice things, bring uh, different unique elements. And I don't think that there's necessarily a guy that I look on this roster in terms of the receiver position and go, I don't know how he made the team. You know, I feel really good about all these guys. I'm curious, building on what Jeff was saying, um, and you bring up Brandon Marshall. I was going to ask you about him, so I'm glad you uh, you had that. But uh, what do you think it means for someone like Russell Wilson to have a six foot five uh, Brandon Marshall and a six foot three Jaron Brown? He hasn't really had that kind of size since maybe Sidney Rice. Yeah. Um, 
what do you think that can can do for him as a quarterback? Um, you know, I think it's I, I think overall it just gives you trust. Um, you know, those guys just because they're big guys doesn't necessarily mean that they're guys that you can throw the ball up to. I think with guys like Brandon Marshall, with you know Jaron Brown, um, they're guys that if you throw a 50-50 ball, they're either going to catch it or it's going to be incomplete. And I think that's so crucial um, because uh, you have to have trust and you have to be willing to take chances at times at quarterbacks. And if you have guys that you know are going to help you out and protect you, um, then you're going to be willing to take more chances like that um, and see more explosive plays. So that's kind of what I see moving forward. And again, I'm just crossing my fingers that, you know, this can be a very healthy year for Brandon Marshall, because if it does, um, I, I expect big production out of him. One thing I like to ask guys who played in the Seahawks is, uh, what was it like to play for Coach Carroll? He's got he's got a such a fun personality, and some people perceive him as kind of a player's coach that can't maybe like discipline players. Yeah. What was your experience like with him? To me, you're in the National Football League, right? So if you're there, you know, to get a check and and to provide for your family, uh, there shouldn't be guys that you have to babysit. You know, that's just my personal opinion. Um, so if, if you're a guy that we have to babysit to get you to play football, then you're not part of this franchise. Um, and so I think they're very much of the same value, the same token. And again, I think, you know, with Pete's standpoint is he allows the, the players to be who they are. Um, he doesn't try to get them to conform. You know, again, like I said before, coaching styles are different. Coaching schemes are different. They're not right or wrong. It's just who can execute and, and see out the vision. And I think you got an example like Bill Belichick, who – you know, I know for a fact that if guys post on social media about themselves in practice, he holds team meetings and will literally, you know, call these guys out um, for just posting about themselves, you know, a picture of them catching a ball, you know, stuff like that. Um, it, whereas Pete is very much the opposite, you know, uh, and, and that's the part that I think is very refreshing about Coach Carroll, that you feel like you can go in and you can play mistake you just feel like you're not worried about the mistakes. You're just going out there trying to give your very best effort to your teammates, uh, to the franchise, and we'll see where it ends up taking you. Uh, we'll watch the tape, we'll review it, we'll coach you, we'll teach you, and we'll give it another shot. And so my favorite thing about that franchise was it was very much about teaching, not about critiquing, if that makes sense. Um, so they were going to teach you exactly what you were doing right or wrong, um, and they were focused on trying to help you become at your best. They weren't necessarily trying to degrade you um, and make you feel dumb like you see sometimes on hard knocks and, you know, all these other places, uh, which just allowed you to play more free. Uh, and the big thing that they always preach is I don't care about what happened the last play, the last day. It, it what, what matters is right now. What matters is the next play. And so I think as a player, it gives you confidence to go out there and just play 100%, give it your all and, and not worry about the consequences, so to speak. Do you have a, you have time for a couple more questions, Jake? Yeah. Awesome. Thanks, dude. Um, so uh, you started to give us some of the differences between what you're seeing uh, with this offense and especially with the, the run blocking scheme. That, that was one specific thing. Um, you know, knowing that there's a lot of fans, hardcore fans that are tuning in here and really like trying to learn the game a little bit and understand like a nuanced difference. Um, what are maybe some things, you know, maybe one or two things that, that fans can watch for that might be different than what they saw before? Yeah, um, I think just overall, I think the one of the big things is that in the run scheme, you never saw a pulling guard in the last scheme. In this, in this scheme, in the run game, you'll see pulling guards um, on one play, actually, that Chris Carson 
uh, touchdown run that got called back versus LA Chargers. If you if you go watch that play in particular, um, you had Dwayne Brown pulling on, on at the left tackle position, and you had Justin Britt pulling from the center position, um, which is very unique and very cool to be able to utilize the talent that you have like that. Because Justin Britt is one of the most athletic uh, centers in all of, all of football. I mean, he really is. And so to see them use a guy like that to be able to, you know, uh, pull and do some things like that, some unique things that are different from what we've seen in the past, I think is very cool. I think the other thing that you're going to see is it might not be different, but it'll be refreshing to see. Uh, these guys are going to be committed to the run game, which inherently brings the play action pass game. So that's a big reason why they brought Coach Schottenheimer in. So one thing that he, you know, the, the, I guess the highlight of his coaching resume is his time from 2008 to 2010 with the New York Jets, uh, what they were able to accomplish in the run game and how they were able to complement that in the play action pass game. Uh, and so Russell is obviously the best quarterback coach Schottenheimer's had up to this point. And uh, I, I think it's going to be very fun to see what this group can do. There's, it's still somewhat of the same scheme uh, in terms of plays and, and things like that. But it's Coach Schottenheimer's wrinkle to it, um, and uh, I, I think that's the evolution that you're going to see is you know commit commit to the run game and then answer with some you know play action pass deep down the field and also within you know the intermediate side. So that's great, and and one of the things that that people said, and I don't know how right or wrong this was, is that the Seahawks' pass offense was pretty vanilla at times. You know, under Bevel, they simplified things down and. There weren't, you know, the the rage uh, so so far lately has been around run pass option being more of a, a part of the way offenses are playing and and option routes um, in the receiving game. Is that something that you see evidence of showing up here more than maybe it was before? No, I, I wouldn't say that necessarily. I wouldn't think um, from from what I've seen. I don't think there's a big difference from that standpoint. I think it's very much still schematics, and you know, they're lining up. Uh, and running the plays that are executed. Um, I think on a couple occasions you're seeing a, a couple more option routes, I guess, if you if um, if you want to call them that. Um, but overall, I, I think that – I think Coach Bevel's system over time, I think really what it comes down to is, you know, a, a lot of frustrations were, okay, we've got a great weapon in Jimmy Graham. And I think that's where a lot of frustration stemmed from was, okay, Jimmy Graham, uh, his first year had – yeah, um, he started to break out and then got hurt. Um, the next year he had 900 some yards receiving, but very little touchdowns. The next year he had 10 touchdowns, but you know wasn't involved as much in the pass game. So he just never could really get that figured out and and dialed in on a week to week basis. Um, and so I think really what you're going to see with Coach Schottenheimer is hopefully that you, we're going to be able to take advantage of the mismatches that we have. Um, use Doug in, in a lot of different ways uh, and be able to use the talents that we have in Brandon Marshall, um, Jaron Brown, Tyler Lockett, and also the, the additions of, uh, you know, CJ Procise, for example. There's a big reason why he's still on the roster for all the different dynamic things that you can do and expect the tight ends to, to have a really good season. I think, you know, Nick Vanette's uh, poised for a really good season. I think what Will Disley offers to this group is going to be very exciting. Um, so I'm, I'm really excited about, you know, this group in, in general, but they're going to be tested very quickly. We're going to find out yeah, they are. Uh, this week and week one with the Denver Broncos. This is a very good defense. 
um, they're gonna they're gonna be a good football team. They they are they're missing some guys and they're trying to figure some things out. But overall, uh, this is gonna be a group that's gonna attack this the Seahawks offense, and we're gonna find out what they're made of. So uh, what's uh, what's next for for Jake Heaps? What 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 uh, you've gone through uh, quite an evolution in your career. Yeah. Um, what are you hoping to see happen next? Yeah. So you know, right now, I think the big thing is we're we're very excited about RWQB, the Russell Wilson Quarterback Academy. Um, and that's, you know, really where, uh, I've spent the majority of my time over the last, you know, year and a half, um, working with some of the top high school quarterbacks in, in the Northwest, um, and, uh, working with some of the top college guys. Um, we're going to get into the NFL We're we're really looking to make this thing big, um, which I'm excited about helping the next generation. And then, uh, you know, uh, getting into, you know, some more of this stuff, breaking things down. I think this is something that, um, as I've, heard from fans um, is, you know, and you mentioned something on it is education, right? Um, there's a lot of people giving their opinions and so to speak, and there's a lot of insiders and um, all that stuff. And I think, you know, people just want to learn the game and want to learn what's going on. And so I think that's something that I'm really excited to hopefully bring to the table uh, for the Seahawks fan base. And, uh, you know, so that's what I'm going to be doing this, this season. And, um, you know, going to be posting on social media and all those things. So it'll be, it'll be a lot of fun. Awesome. So, so where two two things, where, where should fans or where should fans go to find your breakdowns? Is that just going to be on, on your Twitter handle or? Yeah. So I'll, it'll be on my Twitter handle and, you know, if anything changes, I'll, I'll let people know, but on my Twitter handle and, and my Instagram, which, which are the same, uh, JT heaps nine. And, uh, you know, I think the big thing that I would love from everybody is, you know, send, send me questions, uh, you know, uh, tweet at me um, and uh, ask me for questions. And, and uh, I would love to kind of help out the Seahawk fan base in terms of, you know, education and uh, try and point out the real things that are going on. Awesome. And, and for uh, any parents out there that are uh, wanting to get their kid enrolled in the your quarterback academy, where, sh- where should they go to, to look uh, at that? Go to our website, rwqbacademy.com. Uh, we run private training. We have a big five-month off-season program that I, I'm really uh, happy with what we're doing and, and the change that we're making in not only players on the field in their game, but also off the field and seeing their confidence grow, seeing their leadership grow. Um, it's, it's been a lot of fun. We've worked with some of the best of the best in the entire country. And we've also worked with those kids that are, you know, trying like crazy to start for their varsity team, their JV team, their freshman team, and hearing those stories of, you know, how they've been able to, you know, beat out the guy that was in front of them and things like that. You know, we celebrate, you know, everybody on every level. Well, Jake, it has been awesome having you uh, come aboard and uh, answer these questions for us. I know everyone, uh, in the, the chat feed is loving it and really appreciates uh, the insights you're providing. And man, it's, uh, wish you the best of luck. It's great to know that you're reinvesting back in the community and, and growing the next uh, crop of great quarterbacks. So we will check you out on social media for all your breakdowns and uh, hopefully we'll have you on again later in the season. Yeah, that'd be awesome. All right, guys. Thank you. All right. Thanks, Jake. Have a good night. All right. See ya. That's pretty cool. Um, curious, uh, anything jump out to you guys? I know Nathan's just joining. So, uh, we won't ask you, but uh, any, anything that surprised you, uh, Jeff or, or Evan? The one thing, and I, I don't really want to, I don't want to like speculate too much, but it was really interesting to hear him compare like the Bevel offense compared to um, what Schottenheimer will be running and, and Solari will be running. 
um, reading in between like the tea leaves a little bit and maybe and correct me if I'm wrong guys, if you guys read something else here. Um, but it seems like it really came down to execution, execution problems in the previous era. Um, he, he seemed to go to bat a little bit for Bevel and, um, and, and it all makes sense. So it, it's just interesting. It'll be really interesting to see schematically how things change this year. Um, obviously there's a lot of hype around the offense. So, uh, it was really cool to hear, you know, his pinpoint analysis being a quarterback, um, in that area. So it'll be exciting. Anything Jeff out to you, Jeff? Yeah. Anytime anyone mentions Steve Hutchison, Walter Jones, I kind of, <laughs> wow, that was crazy. Right. I, I was yeah, a little much, right? No, I literally almost crazy. jumped out of my chair when I heard that's that. That's what I mean. That, that, that's what stood out a little bit to me. Like it's good. He's high on Posick, but he compared Posick to uh, Steve Hutchinson. <laughs> <laughs> yes, he did. He he uh, he kind of said it would be as exciting as that, but I think it would be a little. I liked yeah. it. I liked it. I mean, it, it opened my eyes. I mean, he certainly knows more about it than uh, any of us, and. Uh, you know, he, he's high on Ethan Posick. He sees a guy that, that uh, needed to add some weight, and he believes he did that this offseason, and he thinks he's got a high upside. So um, I think that that was great to hear. Like, I mean, he was – and he, he also was saying he wanted to see more from Jermaine Effetti, so it wasn't like he had a blind eye to, to no. people that needed, needed to improve. Um, there was one other thing. So, I mean, he – he talked about that the way the team was in previous years was pretty much uh, they had a few things they liked to run, and they kind of said, we're going to run what we're going to run, and, and you're going to have to stop us. And that now the new system is, you know, the word he used is, is multiple. I'm um, going to come at you with different schemes, and it won't be the same every time. And he gave some examples about um, – you know, in the Chargers game, that Chris Carson touchdown that came back where uh, I, I, I'm going to go back and watch that now. But apparently Justin Britt and Dwayne Brown pulled and you don't usually see centers and tackles pull on on running plays. So um, I'm, I'm curious to go back and look at that. But it sounds like a little bit of innovation in the run game. And that does line up with the comment I, I told you guys about Chris Carson making um, – at the end of one of, I think it was maybe the first preseason game that there were just more lanes to choose from. There were more options for the running backs to choose from in this scheme than there were in past uh, in, in last year. So um, it's encouraging, you know, whether that translates into immediate success, we'll see, but um, it's not just changing the names. It sounds like there's real changes in how the offense is going to um, execute on the field. So uh, that's cool. Yeah. He mentioned, he mentioned trap plays. Mm -hmm. and that's something that's jumped out in the film. And I remember I was at this game that when the Seahawks played San Francisco, I think it was 2012, there was a road game. It was like 12 to 6 in San Francisco. It was like a really ugly game. Solari was the O-line coach in San Francisco, and they just ran that trap play with Frank Gore right at Seattle a bunch of times. I don't know if you guys remember this. And they were just dominating that game. It's kind of cool to see that kind of play. Um, Carson's touchdown in Minnesota, it was the exact same scheme that Solari ran. And it was, it was kind of cool to see that because Cable did not run that at all. That's a good – that's a deep pull, dude. Nice. That yeah. is absolutely true. That was a nightmare. We couldn't the, – the Seahawks could not stop those traps for a while. It took them a while to adjust to that. I got that game. It wasn't fun to watch. Oh, man. It was brutal. So so let's let's move move along here. Um, 
we have a lot to cover. The rest of the show we're going to talk about now is 53-man uh, roster has been set. We've got some practice squad guys set. Let's talk a little bit about our reactions to that, so we'll spend some time there. Um, and then we're going we're gonna to get into looking into the week one, guys. Like, it is time. Um, we'll, we'll talk a little bit about predictions for the year, um, you know, how you see this team playing out prior to any games actually happening. And, and uh, again, we'll, we'll end with looking a little bit at the Broncos games. We've got a lot to cover. Uh, hope you've uh, had your coffee because we'll be up here for a little while. So, um, Nathan. Um, welcome to the show. Thank you for making. I know you've had a crazy day. Um, uh, what were, what was your biggest, uh, what was your first reaction to the 53 man roster and, and maybe, um, what was your biggest surprise, um, uh, out of that? Um, I didn't have too big of a reaction. Um, I, I don't think there were any major surprises. Um, you know, Maxwell went on IR and he was someone that, you know, started training camp. I think everyone kind of slotted in as a starting corner. And so um, that was a little surprising, but by the end of camp, uh, I mean, I didn't have him on my final roster. So uh, that he ended up, um, you know, on IR wasn't too shocking. Um, Jordan Roos getting cut. Uh, another guy where, you know, he wasn't good. Um, so I'm not surprised that they moved on, but it is weird that the guy who, was always coming in immediately after Fluker and a lot of times would come in um, and play with the ones with the guy they cut. And so I'm surprised that he seemed to be so high in the depth chart and then was a guy that, you know, didn't make the team. Um, the trades were surprising. Um, I guess actually that's probably it. That's the one Marcus trading Marcus Johnson was a surprise. You know, this is a guy that they went up, they, they traded Michael Bennett for a fifth round pick and for him. Um, I thought he played okay. He's supposed to be a special teams guy. He really seemed like a guy that was just going to make it. And then they flipped him for, um, you know, a, kind of a, a random tight end that wasn't probably going to make the, the Colts. And so um, that was probably the biggest surprise, um, but nothing too really, I, I didn't think there was anything too shocking altogether. How about you, Jeff? Honestly, my biggest surprise was that the Seahawks didn't do anything really unconventional with their roster. Pretty much every year when the 53 comes out, most of us end up scratching their head about something like crazy. Like when last year it was Casey Williams or what, instead of McAvoy. Or, I mean, McAvoy didn't made the team instead of Kaysen. And The two moves I really wanted to see on this team were, one, Puna Ford making the team. And two, Darbo not making the team because I didn't want to see a guy who's done nothing make it because purely of draft status. And every pretty much beat writer had Darbo on their 53 the Friday or the Thursday. And I just I couldn't understand it. All week we all year we've been talking about it. So those are the two moves I really wanted to see, just based on and they did that. And the one guy I wasn't really high on, Brandon Jackson on the D-line, ended up getting released a day later. So one to 53, it went pretty good. Usually I wasn't left scratching my head at all, which really surprised me because every year they do something that I can't understand. Evan, uh, guys have taken up uh, a lot of the, the, the big ones, but what was your reaction? I mean, anything that you were hoping to happen that didn't happen? Um, no, like, like the guy said, it, it, a lot of expected things happened. The Maxwell thing, Threw a little, threw me for a little bit of a curveball, but I'm just looking at the roster right now. And one player that we didn't really honestly talk about enough, I think, was Delano Hill. 
Um, I'm honestly kind of surprised he made the roster. We, I know, I know a lot of talk is on Amara Darbo for not making the roster and he's a third round pick. And, you know, obviously Hill, I think was selected in the same round. Um, Darbo hasn't been healthy. hasn't really done anything, but neither has Delano. And, and I've been really like optimistic about Delano and, and I think he could be a future contributor, but, um, I was kind of actually kind of surprised to see him make the roster. Um, when they made that trade for Luani, I thought for sure Hill was gone. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. I thought that spelled the end for Delano. I was like, boom, this is coming out of left field. But, you know, he made the roster and and uh, good for him. But it was a little shocking. Um, but the Marcus Johnson thing was a little weird just because they just traded for him and then they shipped him off like, <laughs> you know, what, three months later or something. So whatever. I mean, I think the, the, the tight end make the roster that they signed. Yeah. Yep. Okay. Yep. So that obviously spells really bad things for Ed Dixon not being ready anytime soon. I assume, right? Well, I that, mean, he can't come back for six weeks, right? That's right. He was placed on the non-football injury, the NFI list, and what was injury? Like, wh- like, where? What happened? Where did it happen? And how? Like, this is so mysterious. He was on an ATV. And oh, stop it. Oh, stop it. <laughs> oh, jeez. No. Um, it's I, a groin with him, right? They've talked about a quad. They've talked right. about a hamstring. Um, you know, who this knows? Is not a good start to a, to a pretty decent contract <laughs> we gave in free agency. I, I am like, I did start having conversations with people about um, comp pick formulas and whether, <laughs> whether that's part of the thought process here. Like, you know, if, if the Seahawks decide to cut bait on some of their play, you know, like if they cut like Dixon and maybe like three other guys or something like that, um, then they earn a fourth round comp pick. Um, and I don't think that's out of the question. I really don't. Like, we'll, we'll see how the season goes. But um, they might just be seeing if other tight ends are, they're going to use this as an opportunity. Ed Dixon clearly wanted to come back. He tweeted out, ready for the season. <laughs> <laughs> tweeted out, not happy with the decision, but I'm, you know, I'll go with God's plan or whatever he said. So, um, yeah, it seems like the Seahawks could have had him back um, and chose not to, which to me indicates the team really wants to see what they have in these other tight ends. And maybe they don't need Dixon and maybe he's not going to come back. You know, they could just cut bait um, as a possibility there. So yeah, I'm just looking at his contract right now. So he has total guarantees. million at signing. So if they wanted to cut him, we're looking at a dead, dead money hit of 3.6 million. So actually not the end of the world. I thought it was a little bit more than that, but um, they're a little tight up against the cap right now. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, they've got some other guys they could cut to, to create some cap room if they wanted. Yeah. Um, one of them was Nico Thorpe. You know, it was interesting. He didn't play at all during the preseason, and he made the squad. That was a bit of a surprise to me. Um, you know, he's a good special teams player. At least he's, he's proven that. Uh, I think the trade for Simeon Thomas was interesting. Um, here's a guy that's six foot three. I think he's got like thirty five inch arms. I mean, like he's got like go go gadget arms. Um, and did not make the Browns. So, you know, that's take that for what it means. I don't think he's going to come and be a perfect fit right away, but um, 
you know, look, he, he's a he's an interesting prospect to add to, to this group. You've got Trey Flowers at 6'3". And one of the things that's a little bit, I don't know if I'd say surprising, but at least a question for me when I looked at the 53 was backup nickel. And, you know, if Justin Coleman ever needs to take a breather or is out for a little while, who's the person that steps in? Because Simeon Thomas and Trey Flowers are not built to be nickel corners. Um, and so I think you're talking about Nico Thorpe. Um, and that's not, not necessarily the greatest option either. So uh, I think they're a little thin at that spot. Um, uh, I guess you could see a situation where they slide in like a, I mean, I could see Shaquille Griffin playing nickel corner, but I think it's, it would be a, not a great use of his talents to, to move him inside there. So that was one area I had some questions about, but you know, the other guy I was a little bit surprised that made the roster is Trey Madden. Um, you know, I don't know that they need a fullback on this roster. I have to assume that he made it based off of um, special teams and his role in the special teams. Um, so yeah, those are, those are some of the guys that surprised um we got some new names today. Was it today or yesterday where Jermaine Grace um, was added, linebacker um, as well? So they picked him up from – let me double-check where they got him from. Who did they drop? What's that? Who did they drop? McKissick went on IR. <gasps> yeah, I thought it was from Cleveland again. Yeah, it was from Cleveland. So um, – yeah, I mean, I think they're just filling in their their special teams group, but um, kind of bummed about McKissick. Well, he can come back. I mean, he he so he was on the roster, and he's now he's been placed on IR. So that was one of the things I learned. You know, is we we knew that they had to be on the fifty three man roster in order to be able to play be placed on the IR to return this season. What I thought is that they had to be on the week one active active roster, but the week one roster in order for that to be possible. Apparently, just being part of the 53-man initial roster is enough, and they can place them on IR right after, which is a little bit of a bummer because they didn't do that with Jamarco Jones, and um, I was really hoping he was going to come back this year, but I knew it was probably <laughs> unlikely. So uh, that, was, that was a bit of a bummer. So let's start talking about now we've got this 53-man group out there. Uh, where are you guys at on predictions? You know, I, I went through and wrote my season preview on, on Monday and went through the, the schedule. I always just wait till the last second and just based on feel how I think things are going to go. I ended up with nine wins, which was honestly actually more than I expected to come up with. Um, but that's where I ended up. And. I, there were arguments I could have made where I could have flipped a couple games to wins that were losses and definitely a few that I could have flipped from a losses to wins. So um, let's start with Jeff because you're, you're probably gonna be the most reasonable um, of the group. Where, where, where do you uh, end up? Like we've got the pessimist and we've got the optimist. I want you to be somewhere in the middle. I'm, I'm similar range to you, Brian. I'm somewhere between eight and nine wins. Probably a month ago, I would have been closer to seven, which is strange. Uh, this is a month ago. Give me, give, let me, let me go here. <laughs> I think the 
the offense is going to be better than they thought. The receiver group has really jumped out to me in training camp. We were really skeptical about them when we did that training camp preview show. We were kind of laughing at how bad they looked on paper. Every game, someone's shown up. The five guys they kept, one to five, all look pretty good. So I think the offense is going to be a lot better than I initially maybe thought. I was a little, I was very skeptical of the Schoenheimer hiring. I still am to an extent, but defensively, I'm a little worried. I'm Jeff, worried about the secondary, the safety play. The safety play is what scares me the most. If Earl doesn't show up, that's what's holding me back from going into Evan level. Maybe not Evan levels, but a 10-win season. Jeff, Going from Cam Earl to P2 and McDougal. That's, that's, that's what's really... That's what's really pulling me back. Jeff, which seven uh, games are they going to lose? Do you yeah. want me to go through it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, no, no. I think we should do this together. We should no, just no, we should walk through the schedule, I think. All right, let's do it. Let's do it. I'm pulling up, I'm pulling up the schedule. We're going to go game by game. All right? Because seven, losing seven games is dumbfounding to me. There's. I've got them with nine losses. Oh, God. All right. All right. All right. Here we go. Week one, Seahawks versus Broncos. I have them as a loss. Yeah, I'm loss. This game. <laughs> the people on audio are missing out. You really do need to watch the the YouTube podcast to see Evan's face. Um, this not missing anything out with my face, but Evan's face a little bit. This is Ace Keenum, guys. Really. We'll get into the Broncos before before we break it down. All right, so so this team's lost to like Austin Davis before, right? I mean, like, <laughs> let's not. This is I, I don't know. If, so we can pause on this one for just a second because I think in a lot of scenarios, like you just think, okay, Denver Broncos. That team's like it's not the same Super Bowl team, right? They're not that great, but the Broncos are something like eighty-five and eight in home openers or something like that. Like it's ridiculous ridiculous how well they do it's it's mile high it's and the seahawks are not particularly good on road openers so there's a lot going against them on this one yeah and and i don't know that i mean i I asked twitter and it was amazing how many people misunderstood the question but uh it's really hard to think about think back to the last time there was not an infuriating road opening game for the Seahawks. Like even the 12-7 win they had in Carolina in 2013, which is the only road opening win the Seahawks have had in the Pete Carroll era, by the way. That was a brutal game. I mean, Russell, I think, had maybe three picks in that game. Uh, you know, they had to score at the very end to win it. It was just terrible. But, I mean, it really, it got all the way back to 19, like 98 for me to find, like, a really quality Seahawks win. Um, you could say 2004. I think they beat the the Saints, but um, like that, that was like 21 to seven. But anyway, it's not common. So, and the actual number on the Broncos, they're 51 and eight in their last 59 home games in the first two weeks of the season. Yeah, and those include games where the Seahawks were like clearly better, like clearly, clearly better than their opponents. Um, you know, like 2014 Seahawks lost their road opener, for example. Um, all right, so let's let's go to the Bears. So, so three out of the four of us were lost. Is that right on the Broncos? Yes. So, yep. All right. Um, Bears. Seahawks at Bears. Please answer this one correctly, guys. Please, for the love of God. 
Mitchell Trubisky, please, please. They've lost to bad oh quarterbacks before. God. Oh. It's Khalil Mack and oh. Jermaine Effetti, and they're on the road. Oh like, my God. I, I get it. I get it. You're an optimist, Evan. But the one, what is the, who is the one Seahawk player that you're not an eternal optimist about? His name is Evan. Does he just in that so I've got him as a win. I've got them beating the Bears. No, do I. Nathan, come on. Mitchell Trubisky. Is that how you say his name? It <laughs> is. Don't become amicable. <laughs> come on. Come I on. I don't have a good feeling about this one. I think it's I think I think both of these games, these first two games, are gonna be incredibly ugly. And and maybe they'll win one. Um, but I, I think we're going to come away from week two feeling a lot worse about this team than we do now. And and maybe not for any real good reason. Like they're going to, these are not good matchups for this team. And so I, I don't see them winning either of these. But the Seahawks offensive line is good, Nathan. Is Jermaine Effetti good? I was talking to somebody on the interwebs the other day who said that Jermaine Effetti was a below replacement level player. And I have bad news about who he's going to be lining up against in week two and week one. I have bad news for Khalil Mack and Von Miller. We have a fancy new tight end who can block anybody to hell. He is better than Justin <laughs> Britt at blocking on Twitter. I'm serious. He's that good. All right. So we've got – we had uh, three of us with a win and Nathan with a loss against Chicago. Yeah. Okay. I'm counting on you guys to keep track of your, your scores here. Uh, so, okay. uh, week three is Dallas at home, home opener. I've got that as a win. Win. Me too. Yep. Interesting. That's that's not a gimme. Um, no. Dallas has got talent. Um, you know, they might even have Earl by that point. Wouldn't that be interesting? It's a home game, it, and it, it just feels it feels like we can match up well against Dallas. I I I, I actually okay. Ben Baldwin would hate me. I don't think uh, Dak Prescott's going to have a good year. I, I don't think he's that great. He didn't have a great year last year. I know. I don't think he's going to bounce back like so many other people are saying. So all four of us had that as a win. That's surprising. Uh, week four is at Arizona. I've got that as a win. I don't have a lot of respect for this Arizona squad. Uh, everybody's got that as a win. All right. Interesting. So we got a two-game winning streak no matter what. Lock it up. Week <laughs> five. Uh this is home against the LA Rams. This is a loss. I'm sorry. That's a loss. That's a loss. So I mean, you got them going four zero to start. Yeah, but I mean, they're not gonna. I actually think they drop both games against the Rams. Yeah, but if if I mean, um, Jeff's point is that if they if they were beating Denver, basically you've got them at four zero to start the season, which would be pretty. Not a lot of teams that start four zero that miss the playoffs. Totally. I've got them at three and one to start. Um, it sounds like the Jeff you you do as well. I think Nathan's got him at two and two. Yep. So so then lost to the Rams. Everyone's got him as lost to the Rams. Um, at Oakland, week six. This is in London. I've got I've got them winning that game. That's a win, especially without Cleo Mack. The only thing that makes me nervous about this game is that it's in London, but this should be a win. Interesting. Yeah, everyone keeps talking about Khalil Mack is playing in week two. They got a huge break in week six. Mm -hmm. It's true. Oakland without Khalil Mack is a bad team. 
Yeah, that, we could do a whole show just on Oakland, and we're not even in Oakland. No, it's not. Yeah, but, oh, my God. I mean, I don't know. I'm glad I'm not a Raiders fan. That was a brutal weekend they just went through, um, and there's not a lot of good reasons for it. All right, so everyone's got that as a win, too. Interesting. Uh, so then we got a bye week. Then we get into week eight, and this is at Detroit. Um, I've got that. I've got that as a win. I don't have a ton of respect for Detroit. That's one of the ones I think the Seahawks have a chance of uh, surprising some people. I do not. I have a, this is a loss. I think that's a loss. I really do. I love that I'm more optimistic than Evan on one in one situation. How about you, Jeff? I have that as a win. Uh, I'm lying with you. I don't, I don't buy Detroit at all. They, they don't have any blue chip players. They don't have... They're one of the kind of guys that disrupt what Seattle does. Yeah. I think that's going to be a fun game. I, it's going to be a lot of points. There might be a lot of Seahawks <laughs> games. There might be year. a lot of games this year. <laughs> yeah. uh, all right. So let's um, week nine. Um, home against the Chargers of Los Angeles. Well, I, I got that as a loss. I also have that as a loss. Didn't she, would she say they're going to go like 12? This, how, many, how many losses? Do, okay. 11 All and right. 5, Nathan. What are you up to now? Three? Three? All right. All right. So everyone's got that as a loss. I think that's a winnable game, by the way. I think the Chargers, I think the Chargers are a little overrated, um, but we'll see. Uh, all right. So we're, we're week eight here, or eight games in. Yes. What's everybody's? Eight game halfway through the season record. I got him at three and five. I got oh. five and three. Five and three. Five and three. It's uh, it's going to four more wins. Awesome. I don't know. Um, so week ten. This is uh at the LA Rams. I'm assuming we all have that as a loss. And I also have it as a loss. <laughs> all right, so it's five and four for us now, Evan. Um, home against Green Bay. I've got this as a loss. Win. Loss. <laughs> I disagree. You disagree with that? I'm actually, I'm not going to root against Seattle, but I am going to be excited to see Jimmy catch like three touchdowns in that game. Oh, <laughs> oh no. That's horrible. It's going to happen. You can't be, you it's going to happen. Person that like, is a bigger fan of the player than the... I, I'm not. I'm not. I, I hope the Seahawks win 2021. I'm just saying. Uh, uh, very I, hope, I hope that one of the Seahawks takes the ball and punts it into the stands uh, after they've knocked Jimmy... Well, they've knocked Jimmy down. I'll just leave that. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I'm so happy he's not on the team anymore. I did not like that guy on our team. So. Uh, all right. So, by the way, that's a primetime game. I don't know if that changes anyone's mind, but but it's a, it's a primetime game. Thursday night game. Um, those are tougher for the traveling team. So, Green Bay will come in, be coming on a short week to Seattle to play in primetime. Not out of the question that the Seahawks win that game. And if you're a Packers fan, what team has tormented you more than any other? The Seattle Seahawks. I mean, is that true? Oh. oh yeah, you talk to Packers fans like. Oh yeah, I feel like we've yeah, lost the last two games by like a hundred to ten. In like Green Bay, very different in Seattle. Some of them are. Right. There's some the tape pain still lingering. There's two losses there. There's a, a fail Mary, and then that NFC Championship. No, there's also the season opener in 2014 exactly. where they blew the doors off. Them. 
but that man, those are those are two bad losses. Yeah, yeah, those yeah, those are both those, those other are bad. So, all right, so that's a loss. Um, it's what we got right now. Um, week twelve is at Carolina. I've got that as a loss, which for me makes it a four-game losing streak at this point. That's a win. It's <laughs> a win. What? Carolina. Yeah, I'm I'm with Evan here. I don't think Carolina's any good this year. No, they're not good. Really? They they've lost a lot. Their O line's banged up. Their secondary kind of stinks. They've they've lost so many pieces on the offensive line. <laughs> Haven't they had like two ACL tears or something already? Well, you know we. We all missed, I think, the biggest surprise on the 53-man roster, which is Deion Jordan. I don't know how none of us mentioned him. But, like, if he's actually going to play and contribute this year, um, you know, uh, that's a game that he can be a difference maker. But <laughs> without him, I have questions about who's, who's there on the Seahawks line to take advantage of a, a bad offensive line for, for Carolina. And, yeah. and that Carolina defense is pretty tough. Um, that's by the way. That's gonna be a 10 a.m. game. No. So I have a problem. I have them at three and seven right now. Uh, I don't think you're getting the seven, man. I don't know how I'm getting the seven because <laughs> I mean, this one is what's hard about some of these. Some of these are tough. It's like, like the Lions one. Like between like the Lions and the Panthers and like that Bears game, like, I don't think they're going to lose all of them. But when I look at anyone individually, I kind of think that they might, I think they're maybe more likely to lose than win. Uh, so I don't know. I feel like I should give this Panther one a win, even though I don't really think they will. But I'm not scared of this Panther team too much. I mean, there's a Cam Newton factor, factor where he can go off in, in any game and, and take over and, and beat them. But I don't feel like he's been particularly good against them at any point. So... Yeah, I, I, I was I was leaning win, and then you threw that 10 a.m. thing at me. But yeah, win, win. <laughs> oh, nice. All right, so I'm the lone pessimist on that one. Interesting. All right. Well, uh, we roll into week 13, and this is a home game against San Francisco. This is a, a Sunday night game, prime time. Uh, I've got that as a win. Yes. I've, I've, got, I've got them sweeping San Francisco this year. Yeah. I'm looking ahead a little bit, but yeah, that's I got home game as a win. Ever, anyone feel differently? Uh, no. Uh, I feel like Nathan is, if he's, is really he'd have like a three and 13. Is That's kind of where his real like heart is on the Seahawks this year. It's just, like I said, it's hard because I look at, their, like there's these 50-50 games and or, you know, 45-55 games. And like, I feel like there's a lot of these where they're, they're not real favorable to Seattle, but I also don't think they're going to lose all of them. So I'm just going to call a couple of these wins because I, I think that it'll, it'll shake out that way, even though I don't know if these are exactly the ones that end up winning. You know, the funny thing is I, I kind of have the opposite. And then I look at these and I see 50, 50, and I think about Russell Wilson and this offense. And I'm like, the defense can just not be horrible they're going to win a lot of these games. Like they, they, that, that's the part that I, I keep coming back to, but, um, cause Russell Wilson's a better quarterback than almost anybody he's going to play on this, uh, on this schedule. So usually better quarterbacks win the game. Um, but, uh, so wait, so we all were at win, win on that game. So now we're in week 14. So before we go, let's, uh, so that's, we're, we're three quarters of the way through the season. I have the Seahawks at, 
One, two, three, four, five, six. Six and six? Yeah. Oof. I have eight and four. Eight and four, wow. Yeah. Five and seven. Five and seven. seven. What do you have? I have seven wins at this point. Okay. All right. Um, last quarter. Um, this is home against Minnesota. This is a Monday night game. I have them losing this game. And this was a tough one for me, especially based on the preseason performance. Like, uh, primetime Monday night, not hard for me to see the Seahawks winning that one. But I, I, I have a lot of respect for that Minnesota team, especially that defense. Pete Carroll teams just perform so well in primetime at home. It's just – that's hard for me to see the Seahawks losing that game. It is not hard for me to see it's the Seahawks losing that game. They are I, that's that's one of the easy losses on the schedule, I think. Jeff, yeah, I think that's I think that's a loss. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. They're the, probably the worst matchup for Seattle on a lot of levels. Jeff is is taking on the persona of Captain Obvious uh, t- tonight, so that was that was good. I like that. Um, Watch the Seahawks' first team offense against their first team defense. It's it's preseason. We're gonna like throw out like it's everything about the Vikings because of a half of preseason football where they scored thirteen points and I think would have been behind if their kicker had made their kicks right. With no Everson Griffin. And no, well, yeah, I mean, you know, injuries and all that, but yeah, like it's preseason, like. I don't know. I'm not throwing out everything we know about these. And then I'm I'm with you on that. They showed me a lot in that game, and it's not it's not enough to where I would say that I expect them to win. But I would have said like that is a no chance win um, before that game. After watching them play that game, I think that they that Seahawks have a real but shot. By, by that lo- logic, shouldn't everyone have picked a loss against the Chargers? I don't think we all did pick losses against the Chargers. Like, no, that was that was a I actually. I came out of the Chargers game much more encouraged than a lot. That of was the game where Fetty just got like obliterated by Melvin Ingram. Yeah, but now we know that George Fant is uh, an 82 blocker, pass blocker, uh, ready to come off the bench at any time. And there's a really smart football writer that I follow on Twitter who talks a lot about how the Seahawks value run blocking over pass blocking. Yeah, has been has predicted. I feel like a lot of offensive line battles correctly by going with that principle. <laughs> that was a different. Uh, that was a different offensive line coach. That's true. And in fact, if you look at some of the players the Seahawks uh, acquired recently, including Jordan, Jordan Thomas. Am I getting that right? Jordan no, Simeon. No, uh, Jordan Simeon. Right. Uh, I think it's yeah, something like that. The guy from the Raiders. He is a better pass blocker than he is a run blocker. Um, and I think that's another sign that we might be seeing Solari's impact on personnel um, in a way that we hadn't before. So, uh, all right, so let's keep rolling on. Um, at San Francisco in week 15, um, I've got them winning. I, I, don't, I just don't have a lot of respect for the San Francisco team. I think they are way, way overblown. So Evan's nodding. He's got, he's got a win for the Seahawks. Nathan and, and Jeff, this is a, a audio podcast. I want you guys to be able to vocalize your responses. <laughs> I've got two thumbs down. Stop it. They're <laughs> not going to lose to Santa Clara, Nathan. Please. Please. They, they, Garoppolo? Hey, Jimmy Garoppolo oh, played boy. one drive against the Seahawks, and he 
flew down the field and scored a touchdown. He did. Um, so you got this as a loss. Uh, Jeff? Fortunately, I do also. Are you um, kidding me? Are you kidding me? I, I have a split with them. I, I not, not to do with their team, really. I just have a lot of respect for Kyle Shanahan, how he's picked apart this defense at, when it's been at its best. I'm scared of what Kyle's going to do against this defense this year. Their roster is so bad, though. I know, but Rex Grossman went to Seattle with Kyle calling the plays and won a couple of years ago. Oh. I will. I will. I'm with Evan on this one. Um, I think. You, I hope you know, right? I can't stand that team. You guys are missing uh, how much 49ers fans and media are terrified. You think our pass rush is bad? <laughs> um, there are a lot of people that said that were talking about that even after the Cleo Mack trade that that the Oakland pass rush is significantly better than the 49ers. So um, you know, you take an improved offensive line and Russell Wilson into San Francisco um, or Santa Clara, as it may be. Um, I think the Seahawks got a great chance in that game. Uh, all right, week 16. This is home against Kansas City. This is a Sunday night game. God, there's a lot of primetime games this year. Um, by the way, that Chicago game in week two is primetime too. Monday night. I didn't re- I didn't realize that. That's going to make that game harder. <laughs> I might switch, switch to Nathan on that one. But anyway, uh, I've got them beating Kansas City at home. Um, that could easily be a loss. But I just I, I don't know if I'm a true believer in, in Mahomes yet. This is a toss-up game. Yeah, I have no idea what to do with the Chiefs team. Um, So I'm going to give them – what's that? Depends on Mahomes. Yeah. They're kind of like the Seahawks to an extreme. Like their offense could be as fun as any team in the league with all the skill they have, and their defense could be one of the worst by far in the league. They have no talent. They got rid of Marcus Peters. Other than Justin Houston, they're bad. So they're going to be in the shootouts all year. Hmm. Yeah, so I, I gave the Seahawks a win on this because it's a home game, but I really don't have a good feel for this at all. Yeah, especially that late in the season, no matter how things are going. I mean, if the game counts, like uh, like towards playoff contention, if that's a real option for the Seahawks at that point, you know, the chances go way up. But um, it's a tough you know one to call. December football, this game's a goddamn win. Telling you right now. I don't think we have anything else to talk about then on, on that. My prediction it's not eleven and five, it's twelve and four, Nathan. Wow. All right. So did everyone have that as a win? All right. Yeah. Uh final game of the season is home against uh the Bruce Arians Les Cardinals. Um they beat they've beaten the Seahawks at in Seattle for years now. Um is this the year that they stop that? I say yes. The Seahawks are going to win that game. Yeah, that should be a win. Yeah. So I, that's where I get to my nine and seven. Um, you know, there's I've got a I've got a stretch where they win five out of six games early in the season and are five and two at some point. <laughs> the second half. Uh, four-game losing streak, and they finish, you know, four and four over their last eight um, is, is how I have it going. So, Evan, you had the the high mark. You had 12 and four is where you said you ended up? Yeah. Yeah. From your mouth to God's ears. Um, and uh, Jeff? Nine and seven. 
nine and seven, and and Nathan. I got them to seven wins. Ah. They closed out the season four and two, and we're excited to go into twenty nineteen. <laughs> All right. All right. Um, you know what's interesting? Uh, like, I, I found this interesting. So I put a poll out that had uh, season win predictions um, for the the Seahawks, and you only get four slots in your poll, so I couldn't I couldn't do too many. But I had ten plus games, nine games, eight games, or seven or fewer games. And I have to. I thought that there was going to be more pessimism and and the C, like based on what I see on Twitter and people interacting with. Everybody, I just saw a lot of like muted um, opinions. Number one choice, 36% had 10 plus wins. Um, 34% had nine. So 70% of the people that respond, this is you know, a couple thousand people. 70% um, of the people that responded believe the Seahawks are gonna win nine or more games. Um, that's that first half of the Vikings game was like a two win swing in every Seahawks fan. <laughs> I think that's true. Think they scored 13 points and a half and everyone's like Super Bowl, the playoffs. Come on. Like, <laughs> new year, Nathan, new offense, new scheme, new philosophy, new coaches, new players. It's new going down. This is the year of shootouts. I'm telling you, this is, this is the Here's year. The thing, though. Russell Wilson could win MVP. Even if, this offense is as good as like maybe we think it could be. Pete hates shootouts. Like Pete talked a lot about how fun that Texans game was, but he also talked about how, I mean, basically he doesn't like it and he thinks that it's bad when your offense scores points because then the other offense scores, the, tries to score points, which in the insane world of the NFL is probably true. And so I wonder like that Washington game where they came out and they just decided that they were going to like just slow play that game, that it was Washington, that they didn't need to try. And then their kicker went and like missed a bunch of kicks. And so it kind of shot them in the foot, but like they'll do stupid stuff like that. And that's maybe that was bevel, but that's a Pete thing, I think. And so even if Shoddy's ready to turn into the next uh, Nick Bay, Pete might put the reins on him a little bit. Yeah, Carol, like Carol in shootouts is kind of like the guy that walks into a party and like a dance battle breaks out and he's trying to he's trying to act like he fits in. He doesn't really know what to do with his hands or his body and it's just kind of around. He, he this by the way happens to me all the time. So I'm, I'm <laughs> personal experience, but uh you know, uh I don't I don't think Pete knows how to handle shootouts. I think that he's like, stop, slow down. I need you to like, let me do something crazy at the end of the half that wastes like four minutes of time for no good reason. Um, and I want to waste a bunch of timeouts on bad, bad challenges. So um, yeah, I, I hear you, but I, I think you're forgetting Nathan. And I'm not surprised that you're forgetting a factor here, which is that uh, Michael Dixon is worth like two wins by himself. Especially sure. It's gonna be huge. Sure. Yeah, I've got a lot of people wanting Michael Dixon to play a larger role in the team. There's people that want him to play halfback. People want him to rush the passer. They want him to play a position that actually matters. <laughs> they see a legend and they want to. You know, they want to apply it in, in more than, than his current spot. So let's let's shift and talk a little bit about the Broncos game um, as we close up. I know we've we've uh, been on here for a while, but. Uh, 
interesting things. I, I listened to a, I will not say which, but a, a very hard to listen to um, Broncos podcast yesterday. And I uh, heard some of their responses to their 53-man roster. One, a couple things that, that stuck out to me were Sua Cravens, a safety from uh, the Redskins, the free agent signing they had, um, was a big part of their defensive plans. Um, specifically, the Broncos had trouble defending tight ends last year. Uh, and Cravens was a big part of how they thought they were going to address that. He was put on IR, so he's out. Um, and additionally, Clinton McDonald was signed as a big part of their defensive line. He was cut. So um, some interesting, you know, names there and some interesting impact. Uh, you know, the, the, what I heard, and I think makes some sense as I read a little bit as well, is the Broncos really struggled. They had a horrible quarterback play last year and had over 30 turnovers. And a lot of those were interceptions and the defense just couldn't make up for it. The case to be made for the Broncos being better this year largely is about that Case Keenum is just going to turn the ball over less. Um, be more responsible with the ball, and that's going to allow their defense to to make make a difference. So um, I'm kind of curious. We already talked about what our predictions are for this game, so we're doing this a little bit in reverse. But um, you know, Evan, what what are you what are you thinking about for this Broncos game? What what uh what are you hoping to see from the Seahawks? Yeah, well, the Broncos are relying on a lot of youthful talent, a lot of rookies, just like the Seahawks are too. But I, I just don't think they have the offensive firepower to score more than the Seahawks will. Um, I just don't see Case Keenum, Royce Freeman, in their offensive line putting up more points than we do. I actually think our defense is going to be uh, uh, su- play surprisingly well on Sunday. And uh, I think Chris Carson's going to have a big game on the ground. Um, uh, this, this, to me, like I've preached a million times before, this year is the year of the Seahawks offense, and and we're going to outscore a lot of opponents, and our defense is not going to be consistent. I am telling you that right now. There are going to be games where our defense is extremely inconsistent, extremely frustrating, and will probably choke away the game for us once or twice. Um, but this year is the story of the offense, and this offensive line is newly improved. Um, we've got Chris Carson, who looks like a beast. We've got a Hall of Fame first-round running back that all of analytics Twitter loves. We have a future MVP. I'm super excited about our offense. I, I can't stop talking about it. So, Nathan, you know, you've got them as a loss in this game. Um, what do you think would have to happen um, for them to be able to win it? They're going to have to just play a really clean game, I think. Um I think being on the road opener, they're young. Um, you know, you're probably going to have Shaquem out there instead of KJ. Is that official yet? Is that uh, or is that going to be? Yeah, it's pretty official. Um, yeah. Um, you know, the cornerback situation. I, I don't think this game is like unwinnable by any stretch, but it's just a bad situation, and it's a team that's their first. I mean, this is a really different team, and it's the first time that they're all going to be really coming together as as one one team to play, and they got to do it on the road um, against a not great team, but a solid team. And so, if they can play really cohesive, mistake free, do all this, do all that kind of stuff right, I think they can win. But um, yeah, I think it's going to take a lot. Yeah, how do you, Jeff, how do you feel about Emmanuel Sanders and Demarius Thomas against Shaquille Griffin and Dante Johnson? 
Yeah. So the interesting thing we haven't really talked about Dante Johnson. That was one of the big things to come out of the roster. He's gonna. He's probably starting a week one. Oh yeah. The way Denver's been playing is they've been using a lot of three receiver sets, and it's been Thomas on the outside, their second round pick Cortland Sutton on the outside, and Sanders is playing inside. Hmm. So I think Sanders versus Justin Coleman is the big matchup in this game. Hmm. I think Griffin's going to match up with Thomas, and I think Dante Johnson goes up against Sutton, the more bigger. So Keenum had really good success with slot receivers last year, whether it was Thielen or Diggs. And Sanders has been moving around. He's been getting like a crazy amount of targets from Keenum. I clearly had a fantasy football draft tonight. Uh, (laughs) um, So, yeah, I think that Dante Johnson versus Sutton might be the matchup that swings this game either way. Because I think Coleman might be one of the more reliable players on this defense. And he's the one who's going to be guarding Keenum's probably favorite target. So that's kind of the matchup I'm looking for in this game. Something that will be, I, I kind of, I agree that that's an interesting matchup, but I think more than what Sanders can do against Coleman, it'll be interesting to see how much they look at going with a bigger slot. Um, I don't know that they move Demarius Thomas around or move him inside much, um, or if they'll try to do that with Cortland Sutton being a rookie, but we saw Coleman struggle with bigger wide receivers in the preseason. I mean, that's... Um, that's his big weakness. He'll beat you with all the speed and the quickness, but um, you're gonna he, he's gonna lose uh, jump balls. And you know Thomas and Sutton are two guys that could exploit him that way. Whether Denver actually looks to use him that way or not will be interesting. Yeah, I mean, I'm curious what you guys what your take is on um, Royce Freeman. I mean, he's some people think that he's going to break out. Um, you know, some people think the the Broncos running back group is is highly questionable. Anyone have a strong feeling on Freeman? I didn't catch him in the preseason. How did he do? Well, he won the job. Um, <laughs> I, I mean, I think on the whole, it's not an impressive running back group. Um, Freeman was a nice running back coming out of college. He was a guy I liked for Seattle, but I liked him as like a third or fourth round pick, which I think is right about where he went. Um, but I didn't follow him much. Um, I, I thought he didn't, I, I had heard he hadn't played particularly well in the preseason, but I don't know if that's true or not. Well, one of the things I'm curious about is, um, you know, this was the number one run defense in the NFL last year. Um, 3.3 yards per carry allowed, which is remarkable. Um, you know, I think the Seahawks, if they're going to, they're going to end up with uh, no rushing yards, and you know that they're going to be trying to establish that. Um, that's going to be trouble. Um, you know, passing wise, I mean, interestingly, from a sack rate percentage, sack percentage, they were like 17th in the NFL. So everyone thinks Von Miller, but they had trouble getting to the passer. And Bradley Chubb, who they they drafted to help there has not had a particularly strong preseason rushing the passer. So um, I don't know if pass rush is going to be as good. Um, You know, obviously they lost Tlaib. Um, Adam Pacman Jones comes in there and I'm not, I'm not convinced that he's that great. So, um, you know, I I feel like the passing game again to to Nathan's delight and and Mr. Baldwin, uh, who's hopefully listening, um, really should be a a key part of, of their plan there. Um, 
Oh, there's something I was going to ask you guys, and I just forgot. Um, While you try to think of it, yeah. I will correct myself, because I don't know where I heard that Freeman hadn't played well, but he played pretty well. Um, 84 yards, three touchdowns, 5.6 yards per carry in the preseason. So that is solid. A couple runs over 20 yards for touchdowns, too. So uh, that's cool. I mean, like I said, he was a nice running back coming out of college. Um, he could potentially be someone that is pretty solid for them. Yeah. Well, uh, the Broncos were also, their defense was second in the NFL and third down percentage allowed. It's uh, 31.6%. So, um, again, I mean, this is, this has been a pretty, a pretty solid defense. It's not quite the defense it was when they won the Super Bowl, but, um, you know, the, I guess I'd say this, <clears throat> the Seahawks can go in there and beat this defense on the road in the, in the road opener with all the stats that you mentioned, Nathan, in mind. Um, I guess I'd ask, does that change, would that change your perspective on what the prospects are for the season? Evan's having them 16 and now if they win this game. 16 and <laughs> Evan's Evan already thinks they're winning this game. <laughs> Evan's taking them 16 and now. I don't care. Uh, it would for me. I mean, it, it depends a little on, on how they do it, but um, I'm going to swing a lot more on what they do, even in just one regular season game, than I, I think I would have ever have um, over the preseason. Um, I think we're going to learn a lot about this team. Yeah. Um, so last question I have, and then we'll wrap it up. Um, give me one thing that you're hoping to see in this game. And I'll start, um, you know, something that, and maybe something that isn't, isn't as expected, um, or hasn't been the case in the past. Um, at least that's what comes to mind for me. Uh, I want to steal two, but I'll leave, I'll leave one, uh, that I know someone else probably will take. So I would love to see Brandon Marshall um, and more than just Brandon Marshall make an impact, but for the Seahawks to have enough passes in their game plan that the third and fourth receiver are actually a meaningful part of um, the box score and uh, have you know more than a single target. So I believe the Seahawks' greatest advantage this year may come in situations where they um, put more receivers on the field. I think it's one of their stronger groups. And uh, in this game in particular, I think that would be a, uh, a really good sign if they could get someone like Brandon Marshall, who is a former Bronco, um, to, to put up big numbers. Evan, how about you? It'd be really cool to see our secondary nab a couple turnovers. Mm. Cedric Thompson interception, Shaq interception, don't care who does it. I'd love to see some turnovers. We didn't see that in preseason at all except for I think the one fumble recovered in the end zone, which doesn't even really count. But um, I'd, lo I'd love to see them get some turnovers. We need to give this offense as many opportunities as possible, and uh, it'd be a glimmer of hope from this defense. Jeff? I want to see how Doug Baldwin looks. Uh, we haven't seen him at all in the preseason. Uh, I just want to see what kind, of, what kind of speed he's playing at, what his routes look like, whatever his not 100%. I don't know if he's just being humble. It doesn't seem like it's Doug's style. Um, yeah, I want to see what he looks like. Him against uh, probably Chris Harris, one of the more interesting matchups in this game. So I'm keyed in on that. Nathan. I have another wide receiver that somehow hasn't been named yet, even though we've already gone through two. I want to see what Tyler Lockett looks like. The dude just got paid, and like that's potentially 
bad contract for Seattle. Uh, so I want to see him come out and, uh, you know, play like we've seen him play in the past. And I want to see him look healthy. You know, uh, uh, Tyler is super fun. He's an awesome guy. He's really good when he's right. Um, and if he can come out and play well, uh, I think that'd be a really good sign for the season. Yeah. And uh, you, none of you said the other one I was going to say. So I'll say that in a second. But uh, Nathan, you wrote a great article this week looking at um, Schottenheimer's tendencies so far in preseason. That's just preseason. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the things that stood out for me is it, it seemed like he he was passing the ball more often than maybe you expected when you started uh, tracking those plays. They passed a lot. And there was a weird thing at the end of the Chargers game where they passed like 13 times in a row over two drives because it was um, right at the end of the half. Um, but even taking that out, they still passed like 60, 60% of the time, which is right about what they did last year. So, yeah, I think they're going to – again, it's preseason. I don't want to count too much on it. Um, it really goes against everything that Shadi and Pete have talked and seemed to stand for. Um, but they did pass a bunch. Um, and they passed, uh, they passed, they did quite a bit of play action and stuff. Um, it's interesting though, cause well, actually they, they ran as much, um, two wide sets and stuff as they seem to have before, but we'll see how that shakes out over large samples. Um, so yeah, I mean, I, I think that Lockett and Doug both have to be good because I think there is a good chance that they're going to use more two wide receiver sets, even though they haven't really showed that quite yet. Um, so seeing both of those guys get out there and look healthy would be really cool. Yeah, so the the other one that I have to throw out there is I'm dying to see Chris Carson. Um, you know, not Michael Dixon. <laughs> I thought for sure it was gonna be Michael Dixon. That one's that one's like a no brainer. Like that's it, it, not even like a hope. He is going to dominate in in Mile High Stadium. He's gonna kick the ball like out of the stadium. That's probably and true. Actually, will come over and ask for an autograph. Like we'll hand over the reins the as the the long punter of, of the NFL, but. No, Chris Carson, I, I want to see – I'd love to see what he's going to do um, as the starter, as a runner, and as a receiver. I, I really am hoping that they're going to pass the ball to the backs the way that they've started to do in preseason. And I am I think Rashad Penny is going to get some snaps. I, I'm really curious to see if he's more than what, <laughs> what I have seen so far. Like, I would love to see, uh, you know, that running game get, get some uh, – get some play. So there's a lot of storylines. Um, you know, uh, we'll, we'll get into it a little bit more. At least I think Evan and I probably will be unable to go the rest of the week without doing a pod. So um, Saturday night, probably um, look for, for another pod where we'll talk uh, the night before and uh, take some questions, open it up to chat and uh, do all that then. But for now, we'll call it a night. Um, for those that are already Hawk Blogger patrons, thank you guys. Uh, all the money goes to a great cause. Um, you can join at patreon.com, P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com slash Hawk Blogger. Um, all the proceeds go to Ben's fund. And uh, you get access to the private Facebook group. We have some chats on here where you get invited. Um, and all your questions get answered and you get talk to the fellows. So uh, please consider joining. We'd love to have you. And uh, until then, um, Until we next see you, uh, go Hawks.